Hey guys, Ian here, and uh, just before we get going, just to let you know, a bit of a bitty one this, just because we were kind of recording as and when we could. Um, you, you might hear us refer to things we're actually going to talk about later on in the show, um, in the actual show itself we talked about before in real time, uh, but I think we kind of make mention of that kind of thing when it does happen. Um, and I will say as well, for the above the rim section, uh, we, we were a few drinks deep, um, so just to warn you there as well uh but to be honest with you the the rest of the recording is actually pretty sober which is um slightly surprising but we i don't know but yeah the the above the rim one i I think you can kind of definitely tell uh but anyway uh enjoy and we will be back with a normal show next week um so you're going to get fright fest you're going to get a review of lucy and you're going to get the next part of the two pack of fun with above the rim and uh thanks to mondo dan and uh, normella at film rant for uh joining us for the sections they join us on as well um on with the show i got one too a bonus party <laughs> look at that beef help me get out of here whoa Ooh. <laughs> Regulators. You regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Gotta be handy with the steal, if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators! Mona! It was a clear black night. A clear white moon. Warmer G was on the streets. Trying to consume some skirts for the E. So I could get some phones. Rolling in my ride. Chilling all alone. Just hit the east side of the LBC. Mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. Seen a car full of girls, ain't no need to tweak. All of you search know what's up with 213. So I hooked select on 21 and Lewis. Some brothers shooting dice, so I said, let's do this. I jumped out the rock and said, what's up? Some brothers put some so I said, I'm stuck. These girls peeping me, I'm all glide and swerve. These looking so hard, they straight hit the curve. Want to bigger, better things than some horny tricks. I see my homie and some suckers all in his mix. I'm getting jacked, I'm breaking myself. I can't believe they taking more than 12. They took my rings, they took my Rolex. I looked at the brother, said, damn, what's next? They got my homie hemmed up, and they all around. Can't none of them see him if they going straight down for power. They want to come up real quick before they start to clown. I best pull out my and lay them busters down. They got guns to my head. Okay, so uh, we are in Byron Burger. I've never had a Byron Burger before, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, so, and uh, we are going to review Lucy, the non flight test film that we um, saw. Went to see it at the IMAX in the Empire Leicester Square. I'm still not that's actually real IMAX. It's as close it, 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 it's, it's, it's a very big. Damn close. It's very, very big, but it wasn't as all in the eyes as I remember when we went to see Pacific Rim at the Manchester Printworks. But, yeah. however, uh, I'm kind of glad we saw it on that screen regardless. I mean, a bigger screen would have been nice, but that, like, as big a screen as possible for Lucy is the way to go. Um, yeah. So, uh, stars, uh, stars with Dan, written by Luke Besson, stars Scarlett Johansson, Morgan Freeman, uh, uh, Min Sik Choi, yeah. uh, which was fun to see him in, and yeah. um, others. 
story is basically Lucy is coerced into uh, or basically forced into um, smuggling uh, a new drug a synthetic drug and uh, she gets like basically kicked in the stomach and punched repeated times and it kind of seeps into her bloodstream it allows her to unlock more than the 10% of the consciousness the human brain is uh, or uh, capacity the human brain is supposed to be able to access apparently even though it's all bollocks Lucy basically it, her, the percentage goes up she's able to do more and more things not only with her body but with other people's bodies and uh, it kind of goes on from there Mark what do you think of Lucy? Um, well as, as to before the, 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 the whole myth thing about a sense of our brain is one of those things that irrationally bugs the hell out of me to the point of where my missus had just told her we were out, out of Lucy is now texting me winding me up about that sense of the brain thing because she knows how much it bothers me but I was willing to kind of go do you know what it's, uh, it's, it's the film and it's a very sort of concept film so I was absolutely willing to just kind of let that flow over so thank you very much thank you very much cheers, cheers. so obviously before this because it, it looks like it looked like a fun movie um, and then we got into it and uh, within just, like, the first 10 billion minutes it, it became quite apparent and I said to Ian as we were coming out that we were watching like an action version of um, The Tree of Life <laughs> directed by Luke Besson um, and Lucy is an insane amount of fun uh, it is I think it's aware of the fact that it's it's, it's surface level smart uh, and when it tries to be smarter than its parts, that's when it starts to, to flicker a little bit. But then it quickly goes back to just being this, this really entertaining think piece concept sci-fi movie, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's slightly, slightly clunky, the way that it's basically stuff happens to Lucy, Morgan Freeman basically giving a lecture about what's going to happen to Lucy. Yeah. And then you kind of see it. But then... It is interesting though, because I mean, he says in it like, oh, after a certain amount, it basically becomes science fiction, yeah. and that kind of tie- ties into the fact that I know a lot of, some people have been a bit. The last few minutes of the film have been a bit sniffy, and it kind of loses its way and whatnot. But if you were to say to me, you can either have the last 15 minutes where Louis basically goes through time and space, and you see. Besson's approximation of the Stargate sequence from 2001 versus a gunlight or her flinging people around and spinning around and doing kicks and stuff. I'm gonna take the former. Yes, without without that that was the bit where for me it, it went over from being I'm really enjoying this. To, oh, oh, I, I really enjoyed this. When it when it went like 80 cents big on the screen yeah. I actually like rubbed my hands together because I was just like right, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this I mean it already gets trippy enough with the bit in the airport where in the airplane where she basically it's almost yeah. like she's disintegrating into nothing yes so, um, it, it's and I mean it, it, they, they give a nice clock on the whole thing as well the whole like she's got like 24 hours and then she's going to die yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's really wonderfully done I mean it just it achieves the perfect level of dumb smart yeah absolutely it's it's easily followable um, if you have any sort of big level of intelligence it's easily followable um, but also as well it, it's within its own world its science makes sense yeah. and this is a science fiction film it's not to sort of resemble what happens as being fact and if you can go along with that 
which you should be able to make an incredibly enjoyable movie, then then that that's wonderful. That that is, it just takes on this great journey of floating around what's happening, and that's great. And I, I was thoroughly on board with it. Mm. And that's you, I think it helps that you've got someone like Scarlett Johansson um, leading you on this journey because she's so just she has a great presence to herself uh, as as an actress, and she's. For the past three, four years, she, she certainly jumped up a, a few levels to being a really, just a really great actress and a really interesting actress and an interesting screenplay. And yeah, I mean, like even when she's in the Marvel films, it doesn't feel like she's out of place. Either. Yeah. She, like it, it feels like she, she's committing to whatever she's doing. Yeah. Fully now, and I mean, like she, I mean, she does get to act in this as well. There's a yeah. scene where she's on the phone to her mum, and it's just like one tight close up on her if it, it, it kind of close up and then falls back and it's really well handled for me it, it, it's, it's the first film I think that I've watched that Luke Bess has directed where I think his his overindulgences have been controlled and put out in a cohesive, cohesive kind of manner well it makes sense I mean yeah. the, plot, the plot allows it to make sense yeah I mean I think the last time that happened was, was Leon yeah. his, his breakout movie oh, maybe the fifth element I, I think the fifth element if you're on board it's the world of the fifth element if, if you're on board with it it, it makes sense That's but if, if you're not on board with it it is, it is basically just a clusterfuck of of colour and, and, and bullshit essentially yeah, sure. no, that's, that's fair enough um, but this this kind of this is more controlled and it, it, it goes out in bursts and things that, that kind of that, that kind of well, there's, there's a few bits that don't work for me but it is the first time and I, I usually get quite prickly when people say this it is the first time I've been a little bit going oh come on Samsung because the, the, the branding is oh and I, I usually prickle like hell when people go it's, it's over branded because that's what I'm making but when the door scanners have quite clearly got a Samsung label on them yeah. literally I would say 80% of, of shots in this film have a Samsung product I think that's hyperbolic what it's not 80% I shots. would I would say oh god it's it, all right, the eight percent is a little bit there. It's it's in excess of fifty percent. No, it's not. It, it, it is not every it's almost every shot is a Samsung product. No, it's that, not. That's what it's felt like. God, all right, listeners, remind us when Lucy comes out like on on demand and Blu-ray and whatnot. Could someone remind us <laughs> this? That is what it felt like. It really did feel yeah, like that. Yes, all right. What if it made what it feels like? Yes, I don't know. I, I'm sorry, I had to call you out on that one. It, did, it did feel like, like there's a lot of Samsung products. There is a lot of Samsung products. The DOS kind of Samsung. Does Samsung even make DOS scanners? They might do. They must do. I, I, I reckon somebody literally just went round with a lot of Samsung stickers and went, Samsung, Samsung. I, I fully expected, you know, the big supercomputer, I fully expected that to have a Samsung sticker on it. Oh, it was a Samsung US. I was almost sticker, yeah. disappointed that it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the one. No, that's too far. <laughs> I, I mean, like, just, I mean, like, the, going back to just, like, as a visceral experience, and especially on that large screen, I wonder how it would translate to the home. We were saying, I mean, we yeah. were saying, I mean, actually, in the timeline of this sure. show, we'll be talking we later on about um, the uh, the kind of change in, in acceptable kind of viewing like conditions for films. 
and this actually kind of feels like a film that deserves to be seen on a really really big screen with as good a sound system as humanly possible yeah because the sound design is yeah, great I mean like Eric Serra did score I was thinking he's come a long way from Goldeneye yes. like Goldeneye is one of the most like incongruous scores yeah, you will very, ever ever it's hear it's very fierce isn't it Goldeneye it's very it just it doesn't but it doesn't make I mean it doesn't make sense for that film no. the Goldeneye score you know I mean it's, it's almost avant-garde you know it, it, I mean it's, it's, it's mental um but yeah I mean it just the music works here the, the, the visuals work and it just it's one of those it's one of those experiences that I think is you know one of the reasons why film is still an important and like the media you know like people say about um the new film whatever yeah. and I think in certain cases for long form storytelling yeah totally and even maybe for for writing of mainstream things I can see how that could be the case but for like for constructing a 90 minute 2 hour yeah. whatever experience you would not see like Lucy the TV series would, would, not, would not work no, Lucy the film yeah. spot on yeah because the thing about the, the thing about TV, TV's going through it and going at that bit, um, TV's going through a, a bit of a purple patch at the moment, you know, and there's a lot more money being invested in, in TV at the moment. But it, it works, like you're saying, on long-form storytelling. But there's also a lot of, there's a lot of hype that goes out there. I mean, for instance, if we take Breaking Bad as a for instance, I haven't watched it, I watched the first series, you've watched it all and you've thoroughly enjoyed it, didn't you? But what I always hear from people is... Even though it doesn't actually get that great until it, season three. So. It, it, it's with Breaking Bad. It's, oh, it starts getting really good at about episode 11 in season two. And I'm like, hang on a minute, that's 15 yeah. hours yeah, yeah, yeah. before it starts getting good. Can you imagine if you watched a movie and you went, oh, this movie, it, it's two hours long, but the first 45 minutes is shit. But then the next, the next hour is great. You'd yeah. be a little bit like... I watched 45 minutes of, of, of not great and I've watched an hour that but if TV can kind of get away with it because because TV's got to end well if TV ends well it, it'd be better but I think I think it's, it's, it, there's a purple patch in TV at the moment and, and that's great people are enjoying it and it's wonderful but I think cinema's going to bury the brunt of that a little bit the, the thing is I wouldn't be surprised if in like five years you know the well no I'll frame it another way the percentage of amazing TV to amazing film uh, to like amazing films there is a lot of TV out there yeah. a lot of it is shit yeah. and you've got you've got particular highlights that people really get into yeah. but there's also a lot of bollocks out there the question is going to be uh, now people are like focusing more and more on TV is the quality going to get better or is there just going to be more noise well, that's, that's it as well and, uh, as well when you look at it some of the great TV that we've got at the moment is breaking back that's, that's gone it's, yeah it's, it's, you know, gone for, it's been gone for a couple of years now and for a year. you know and then you've got things like um, for instance Sons of Anarchy that's going to be gone by the end of this year because yeah. it's last season yeah. um, and the other things that are, that are like the big things Orange is the New Black I've watched myself but everyone's saying it's staying with House of Cards even but though they're even not on TV a lot of people have said season 2 of Orange is the New Black is yeah. and I would agree is not nearly as strong as season 1 but they're not on TV yeah. they're just they're shows they're not TV shows the thing is there's a level of um, tangenting again but never mind yeah. um, but there's a level of um, 
you know, what defines a TV show, what what defines a film, that, that kind of thing, you know, where I think you you could still class House of Cards and Orange is the New Black as that kind of thing because the general rubric yeah. of episodes about an hour long, you know, that, that kind of thing. No, they're not on TV, yeah. but they are, I, I, I think you could, the TV show term would still be TV show. Mm. It is, but I think that's the way that, that TV could, could go. Uh, and you'll see more and more like that. Like Netflix I mean, it's, business getting it, it's big. It's like if they like if, in like 20 years time, if film is no longer on the big screen, what makes a film? Exactly, yeah. which, and it's still be it's still be a film. Uh, yeah. So. When you say that, I think it, it is it is that is the fact that we do have we have had in recent years some really great TV shows that have captured the imagination. But once two or three TV shows capture the imagination, it becomes all TVs in its greatest era yeah, ever. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, is it because the nineties were pretty good? Yeah. Twin Peaks, Next Files things like that you know it, it is just whatever captures to me I suppose thank you, thank you. I think I, I mean I think the, the, the kind of the focus the, the, the thing about the thing about TV now is the fact that you know you are getting stars involved yeah. also I think there are more and more shows that are, re- that are not 24 episodes long they're 8 episodes 10 episodes 13 episodes that's it yeah you know, and they're able to condense the, the, like, yeah. the, the storytelling I mean like if if if, um, if Game of Thrones was 24 episodes a season, it would be brutal. Yeah, you know, that, like it, it, but as uh, 10 episodes, it, it's absolutely spot on. Yeah, because you could you could eat out a, a more of a story. Yeah, in 12 episodes, you don't have that because often the 24 episode shows where they fall flat is they have filler episodes. Yeah, it's but it, if you've got 12 to 13 episodes or 10 to 13 episodes, you have less filler going on that. It's it, it's it's the strength of the overarching narrative. And the, the less episodes you have in a TV series, it, it kind of seems like the more likely your narrative yeah. is to be strong. Because, but then, it, but then it, I mean, it goes back to the sense of, well, it, you can't really say that though, because like then, like the film is only two hours or three hours long or whatever, and like how's that not as strong? You know, and it, it depends on the story you're trying it, to tell. It does depend on the story you try to tell. For instance. Um, you know, that there are some TV scenes out there that just would work as, as films. You know, 24 is an, is an example. The, you know, the, the 24 film is happening, I think, isn't it? Or isn't it? No, I don't no. think it is. I, th- I, th- I think that kind of the liberal reception to live another day is kind of um, yeah. related to that a little. So, I mean, that's, that's one where everyone's like, oh, it needs to be filmed, it needs to be filmed. It's like, why? You know, it, it, you know, it, it took The Simpsons you know, 20 years to actually go, do you know what, we'll do a film. We'll do a film so everyone will shut up about doing a film. Yeah, and you know, and it works in that in that narrative of that. It works, but yeah, something like Lucy, you could see, you could have seen someone trying to pitch that as a as a TV series, and it catching on. And you're going, oh, that started really strong because it was directed the first episode, directed by Luke Besson, the first episode cost a million dollars, whatever, and then it just going, oh. Oh, this is jobbing director number seven. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and they're going, and you get into the end of it, and going, do you know what? It gets cancelled before you even get to the end because no one gives a shit by the time you get to that point. I mean, that's the thing. That's why with something like Truth Detective, eight episodes long, the first season was directed by one guy. Yeah. You know, and it, it was written by one guy, and that's that's where it's going to be interesting. The second season of Truth Detective, it's not going to be directed by just one person. Yeah. But then again, some of the directors are strong, like William Freakins apparently might be doing one too. Yeah. 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 And yeah, that 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 would be that would be incredible. Um, oh, Hello. Uh, sorry, uh, no pickle. No pickle. Yeah, no pickle. Yeah, that's true. Sorry. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you.
two portions of spinach chips. Thank you very much. Can I get you anything else at all? No, of course. No, that's yes. good. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think we were pretty much done with Lucy anyway, weren't yeah. we? It, it is definitely not shit. It's yeah, actually yeah. really, really good. Yeah, Pro- possible top 20 for the year for me. Yeah, well, it, it is unbelievably enjoyable. I, I would recommend, if you get a chance, to go and see it on the big screen. Definitely. Just because it's a really, it's an experience seeing it on the big screen. I don't think it'll lose it on the little screen, but I like the fact that I watch it on the big screen. Straight up. I kind of think it might lose something on the little screen, but there we go. Anyway, that was Lucy, and um, yeah, moving on to the next thing. afternoon of Fright Fest and um, Noel's with us I am with you um, even though he didn't actually see the film I did not so um, but maybe he can like ask some questions and prompt some discussion perhaps I do um, I just kick you in the shins don't know as well obviously Hi, and uh, we're going to be talking about Eli Ross the Green Inferno um, and I think we'll try and keep it non-spoiler just because Noel's here and also because it's not widely, not widely. Yeah. Um, and even though they, were, they said at the start as well that it had been pulled from distribution worldwide not just in the US yeah. and I thought it was the US just the US but it looks like so he, like he was they saying they mentioned that before the screening yeah, yeah. and they said why yeah why? It, no, no they haven't said why but it, it's it's a little bit obvious it's, as to why the thing is like, the, the content a, apparently well no apparently the distributor and Eli Roth have had like a falling out about um, the, the level of marketing like uh, money they're going to put into it and the thing is like, and it was going to it was going to get a big screen release in the US that is a film that would die a death in the, in, on the big screen it is so maybe oh, yeah. it's untrue but there is I think there's also scenes I could see it being of where a distributor has gone we don't want a, a film with that at the moment yeah, yeah. based on certain things um, that happened in the world Fe- female genital mutilation is a hot topic I would, I would say more in the world. Medical is a hot and, topic and that oh yeah but, oh yeah so I, I, I could okay. definitely see that the reason for why they've, they've gone maybe not now yeah I mean so the storyline such as it is um, a bunch of kind of like university students are um Go, like going out to try and save this like rainforest and this community from being destroyed by like construction and um, their plane crashes and they uh, well after some events their plane crashes and they end up getting taken by the natives they were trying to save um, but that, that's essentially the plot isn't it I don't think there's really anything else to it is there? no there's not that much that's pretty much yeah it really it's so, a plot 
Mark, you hated it. I didn't like it. No, I went in with I promise. I went in with a lot of apprehension because I'm not a, a, a huge. You know, I still don't understand his standing in the in the horror community. Um, it's consistently bad films. Um, not just we're recording our review. If you want to join himself, but he also makes. Um, he also writes bad films, British films, and just generally does just bad shit. I find him to be very hit and miss, whether it's produce, production or whether it's films he's produced or films he's written or films he's directed yeah. or all three, I find him to be really hit and miss. I find him, I, I, he's the sort of person where, for some reason, I really want to like him. I, uh, he does yeah. seem like, he, he, despite the fact that he's got serious problems with his sexual sex, he does seem like, like, like he really gives yeah. a shit about the genre, which baffles me in the fact that he, he has actually made The Green Inferno. Because it is a incredibly messy film. It isn't without its charms or points. It does have some good shit going on, but it's buried in just a sea of just blandness, mediocre performances, and a story that just keeps going places exactly where you expect it to go. Yeah, I mean, I I liked it. I'll be honest. I like. I I thought. It was alright. It's got terrible, terrible elements to it. But I think that what I was just saying before we started recording, when it's on, on this film, and I, I found some of it actually quite effective. But one thing doesn't work is Eli Roth's usual like tone issues. You know, he always tries to make stuff funny in his films, and there are times here where it just feels so inappropriate. There's a scene involving someone having a case of diarrhea. With, with, with like complete with like noises and it's just like why why this what what's the point of that yeah. and, and like and it cuts to the natives going like you know and it's just yeah like waving their hands in front of their noses and it's just like what the fuck um, but somebody has just joined us appearing with a, a lovely pint um, who, who are you someone I'm Dan Orsi uh, for the uh, the Mondo Movie podcast, yes, uh, yes. which is probably no more. Oh well, we may still have the Mondo Movie. Come on, we've yeah. got to hang on. It never we're dies. Oh. Yeah. And um, tenth anniversary shows next year. Discussion. Are they really? Yeah. Oh, oh, ten years. We'll Sweet. see. We'll There's see. Exclusive. Yeah. Nice. Oh well, there you go. Cool. But when I say discussion, Ben mentioned it in the pub <laughs> six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> nice. so, yeah. hey, I really had visions of you sat around a table like flashing it out. Yeah. and things like that. But, um, Dan also saw the Green Inferno. Um, we we just we kind of thought you were going to be popping along anyway, so we just thought we'd start recording. Yep, no, here I am. Uh, Dan, what did you think? Thought had its moments, but on the whole, wasn't very good. There was some good gore, and I thought the build-up was really, you know, good. Uh, if, if, if a bit long. But it was too silly to be scared. I love how you're talking to the tablet. I know. It's good. All right. Because <laughs> I'll look at you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it was too. It, I just, it was too silly to be scary. Yes. Uh, there was fair. just loads of stupid comedy that didn't work, and it totally undercut the tension. It made the, you know, watching a bunch of cannibals get stoned was mildly amusing, but but it made them utterly unthreatening. When you've seen one, you know, falling around with holding a chicken. Yeah. Uh, everything after that, you can't take him seriously. And, yeah, I think he's like the big bad guy as well, and he's the one with the black yeah. and the yellow. So, yeah. you know, everything after that. The thing is, the, 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 this that we're describing is really interesting. <laughs> However, when it's up on screen, you're there going, 
a... That, the girl shitting herself, the bloke having a wank in the cage. I mean, all of that was, oh. was, was not very funny, but also removed any horror or tension yeah. I felt from the film. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like, I, I was just saying before, you so rudely interrupted us uh, with your pint. Uh, um, <laughs> um, Eli Roth seems to have to have comedic elements in his films, no matter what the subject matter. Yeah. And it's such a problem here hardcore cannibal film and in moments it's doing that yes you know when they're first captured and they're first led into the village off the boat and they're all being clawed and the girls are screaming that's a great scene because it's pure you didn't look like it did you not I I, I think I like that scene I I I thought that was effective is that part the of reason, photograph? Yeah. Yeah. Part of the reason why I think I didn't like that scene is because I was just saying to this in thought we'd had a scene very similar to it earlier in the movie where they're just getting on a boat in, and there's no peril at all but there's all these jerky cameras and they're, they're going they're oh kind my of god looking and, around and the, the place the, the, as the well music's going dun, 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 all your yeah I couldn't work that out because yeah, what, yeah. that's not an issue at that point yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. that was that was really that was <laughs> a weird moment there's still several hours from the uh, the production work yeah yeah it's an odd scene you'll 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 know you'll know it when you see it but they're in absolutely no danger at that point in the film no exactly my brain was going this is what I don't understand yeah he scores it like an action scene they're running through the people and everything like that yeah I agree but nevertheless I did think the bit where they first come to the village for me worked quite well but everything after that it was kind of downhill from there and to be honest once they chopped that first bloke up I kind of wanted it to be over because I didn't really care about any I, I yeah. got my gore fixed yeah. with yeah. that scene which is very graphic yeah. everything after that nothing's as gory as that moment yeah. afterwards and it's sort of downhill and it's not funny so by the end of it I was quite bored I mean the, the thing is I was kind of and again it's like it's a tonal problem but I was kind of annoying how cartoonish the one, that one guy Alessandro got like just every scene he got worse and well, worse it didn't like, hurt that he's, he's, he's a doppelganger for Sasha Barra Co- yes, so exactly, I couldn't yeah. take him seriously yeah. with his like Spanish <laughs> accent it may be his real accent all I could see Sasha Baron Cohen doing a comedy Spanish accent as this kind of moustache twiddling villain I mean there's a scene in it mild spoiler but it doesn't matter no, where this, 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 this girl like um, she's eating they're eating some stuff and then she kind of realises what it is and then she just like breaks this bowl and then slits her throat open and it's like oh shit but then this the guy just starts wanking right and it's just like and you go you, you have to release the tension you have to release the tension somehow through violence or this and it's just like it's Jamaican then yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> you have to release the tension you have to release the tension release the tension man um, but, and, it's, and it's just you're watching it and you're just like what am I supposed to be feeling thing. at this moment <laughs> well, the, the, the guy who was sat next to us like a wife yeah, yeah yeah there was a guy next to us roaring with laughter yeah. but he, he laughed in, in, in short bursts of laughs so it's only like going <laughs> Ah! Ah! <laughs> I was laughing but because it was so bad I was yeah. laughing at the film at that moment I yeah. was, it was so misjudged I mean, and stupid maybe that's why I liked it because I was laughing at it so that might be it to be honest just because it's, it's shit but I had quite also, a time watching it also I mean you know you, you film the Amazon jungle it's going to look visually quite good but it did look quite cheap as well it, it, it looked very it looked it was very soft I thought it was a problem with the projection or something at one uh, point it's it's just really looked soft look. just yeah. looked cheap shot it in like 16 or something yeah, like that yeah. and, and, and very giving it that you know giving it that edge because when it, you shoot in the Amazon because that's where life is cheap very true <laughs> even the cheapest Italian 
cannibal movies from uh, the late seventies. Look, they had that you know grainy atmosphere to them. Uh, also, uh, as well, that, that. that indigenous tribe that has been hidden away for years—they're literally on the shore. They are—they are, they are on a river which is used to transport goods through a country, and they're not like hidden. They're on the fucking shore. Yeah. I am sure at some point a fisherman's gone by and gone. Oh look, an indigenous guys. Did you red guys? Did you see the the little mid credits sequel tease? What, what, I didn't even understand. What, uh, uh, yes, I did. I didn't understand what it was. So is that a statue of him they found? No. Where he's just, just standing, standing there. Standing there. Well, yeah. what, what, but that's not like a twist ending. He turns up in the in the, uh, in the village and he's just like, I'm putting together an initiative, <laughs> and then one of the wolves just looks at him like. And then it just cuts to black. <laughs> you see, I thought this is spoiler territory, obviously, but uh, yeah, I thought first of all, oh, then he's standing there, but I didn't understand well, what, why. What, what is that a twist ending? I'm kind then of. Then I thought maybe it's a statue she spotted, and he's somehow become their god. Which I'm kind of hoping twist. it goes in that direction. That'd be a good twist. I, 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 I think you're right. I think it just found a well, I found a satellite photo of. Uh, sorry, how have you found a satellite photo? Good earth, mate. You never use it. See all sorts of crazy. Yeah, but as, as well, this it's just, she just searched it's, my brother, and it just yeah. went. <laughs> Courtney Love found that lost plane. She can find it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, it, it's it's just such it's so bad, and the, the first fifteen minutes are just brutal. Yeah, I actually turned to Mark and said, "This girl is the worst actress I've ever seen." The blonde, it is it's the best actress. She is terrible. You know what? I know you will disagree with this. But I actually liked Aftershock quite a lot more than Green Inferno. It's because you hate women. Well, there is that. Yeah, there wasn't enough brutalisation of women. Uh, yeah, I'd have given it five stars if the, if the main woman at the end had gone through what she's about to do, but because she uh, doesn't get to do it. Even though, the, actually, the end of Aftershock, I thought, was quite funny. After, like, she goes through that entire thing, and, oh, Tsunami gets her. It's just like, what? Yeah, I don't know. I had a good time watching it. Well, she's a good-looking girl, that Sky Thrower, isn't she? Yeah, she's 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 so she's the blonde. Yeah, she's the blonde. All right, yeah. She just like her line readings are just like I, I, I think she's supposed to be like Thomas. Yeah, but Stone, it's the words though. They get I know the, I mean, the script is terrible. I, I, I just I just think you know, and I, and I, I always I always say that the uh, Star Wars prequels kind of vouch for this. They give a great act of terrible dialogue, and it can't help but make their performance bad. You know, and, and I'm not saying these are great actors, but I think the words they were being asked to speak a lot of the time, yeah. the dialogue was so clunky. Yeah. And I think they were kind of doing their best with it, but. No, yeah, I, fair enough. I, 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 I just. What can I say? I was entertained. I was entertained, don't get me wrong. It's an Eli Rock cannibal movie. I'm glad I saw it on a big screen because it does sound like, from what Ian was saying in the intro, that it's been pulled worldwide, not yeah. just yeah. the States. So I guess it's not even coming to cinemas in the UK either. Mm. So uh, it's good to see it on the big screen. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, my expectations were low. I'd read enough about it and spoke to people who yeah. had already seen it at festivals last year uh, or earlier this year to know that I shouldn't be expecting, you know, the, this generation's cannibal holocaust. I was pleasantly um, surprised it wasn't found footage. For some reason, yeah. I had it in my head you that know, it was found fact, footage. It was exactly so. what I expected because it was Eli Roth's stupid comedy mixed with Eli Roth extreme gore yeah. in, a, in a slightly awkward package, uh, yeah. like most of his other films. Yeah. You know? it, it, so it was what I thought I was going to get. It literally is all the tones in it and all the serious bits look like he has literally read a Wikipedia page and gone well I know everything I need to know about this yeah. and then written about it oh, about the, the campaign 
Yeah, yeah. And, it, it, it's, it's that, and it's just... You, it, it is so clunky, all for that first 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. It has some, some great little moments where it looks great, but it just... It's just so badly made. The thing is, so badly put together. Our rating scale is definitely shit, definitely not shit, and touching cloth for in between. And it's like I'm really, I'm struggling because it's shit. It's shit. But I was entertained by it. But would you be entertained if you'd watched it at home? Yeah, on Netflix. I, I think I would have. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it sounds like the definition of touching cloth, right? It, yeah, the touching cloth. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I was entertained. I, you know, it's only it's not a long film, and uh, it was fine. But it wasn't a good film, and I wouldn't watch it again. But I'm happy to have seen it in a fight fest environment. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy yeah. that there wasn't the the customary uh, layers of masculinism that is usually prevalent in Eli Roth scripted considering it's got female genital mutilation as a major plot point there is actually a, a, a surprising lack of misogyny yeah. and, and also well, it's well, refreshingly empty that yes, yeah. it is, yes. It, it's yeah I, I'm, I'm still it, it was just it was just a bitch oh and the ending also makes no sense the ending makes no sense there's there's a scene around a kind of a board table a boardroom table I don't want to spoil too much and what the person is saying was just like why are you saying that it doesn't make sense it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever considering everything that's just happened you're saying this no from, from the point where where she gets saved to the end of the film it's terrible it, it makes no sense. Yeah, including a really random dream sequence. Yeah, which is a bit yeah, more what the hell <laughs> that about. That was terrible which as well. was like That would have been the really? first to go had I been no. First to go would have been the wanking, second to go would have been the shitting, third to go would have been that dream sequence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. I mean, it's just I, I'm intrigued to see what you I really wish you watched I, it actually, because I'd be intrigued to see what you fucking for. I'm but, really looking forward to it. I, I always was, but I like animal movies, so yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's Green Inferno, so <laughs> I think two touching cloths and only shit. Yeah. Yep. And uh, however, on that, I'm not really that. Sub- um, it has its moments, but yeah, it, it's shit. There you go. And uh, we'll be back. Some well, two of us two, and yeah. probably other people. Who knows? We'll be no, back later. Oh, for yeah. fake laces. Fake laces. Yeah. Well, I've seen fake laces. Oh, you're seeing fake uh, laces. Depending on, I'm out to whiz back, but. I'm not hopefully you can join you. Nice, you know, because like, yeah, I hope going so. to need to uh, catch you all, maybe. Late phases. Dump, late phases. Dumb spaces. Dumb phrases. Late phases. It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. We're sick to manage it. You'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I could handle anything. Action. Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. (laughs) And romance. Now, he's decided it's time to go back for just one more adventure. Humans are such an easy prey. Noel Miller presents... You're the problem, you little shit. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. 
Join me, Noel Meller, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures in VHS or visit adventuresinvhs.com. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. It just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. That's just, just getting confirmation. It's just in English. That's the third time, though. I mean, I'm just, this is on. You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody... <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Okay, and uh, it is Saturday morning, um, and we are sat outside the Costa. It's just weirded Mark out because you can buy cinema tickets in the Costa. You can, you can buy tickets for the Audion because the Costa Coffee is in the Audion, but it's not in the Audion. It's, it's incredibly confusing. It is, it is. And um, films showing today at Leicester Square Doctor Who, Series 6, Episode 1, or Series 8, Episode 1, that, that's yeah. funny. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so it's. Um, Saturday morning. Um, we just didn't really have too much time to record too much yesterday, apart from Green Inferno. Yeah. So um, we're back with um, a, just a bit of a meaty one. So, how many films are we going to talk we about? Got, we've got, we got um, um, Face Laces. <laughs> uh, then we have. Uh, you can do a quick one of Last Showing, uh, which I missed. Oh, it's uh, got to be quick, is it? Uh, no, it, can be quick. it can be as long as you want. <laughs> uh, and then we'll do uh, Dead Snow 2, and then we'll do Wolf Cop. Yeah, nice. Um, so, yeah, so we'll start off, we'll do this in order then. So, it was late phases. Yep. Yeah, okay, so this is uh, not, for, it, we had a bit of a running joke with Noel where he could never remember the uh, the title of the film, um, <laughs> or he was doing a good job of pretending he couldn't. Which, which got to the point of where, when he went up to the counter to buy his ticket for the film, the girl said, and oh, what film is it for? And Noel went, I don't know. That's good, that's good. <laughs> It's called like fake hazes or something like that. Late phases, like that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> Which um, I don't know. It made me laugh because there's another one playing today called Showpieces. Yeah. So late phases, showpieces, fake laces. It's like it's <laughs> not that far off any of those really. Um, so yeah, actually, I can't remember who this is directed by. Uh, but a a Mexican man, I think. Yeah, yeah. And he said it was his first English language film. Um, stars uh, Nick Dimitri, who's um, Jim Mickle's writing partner, and he's been in a lot of Jim Mickle's stuff. Um, he was the um, he was the guy in Stakeland, the like the main guy in Stakeland, and um, he was the uh, in Cold in July who gives. Michael C. Hall some like passive aggressive shit about not being a man so um, he's he's been around but this is him kind of striking out on his own in a, in a lead role he plays um, he plays a war of a NAM vet veteran and looks probably a good 20 years older than he actually is yeah 
and he's also blind. Uh, he moves to a retirement community. It's Ethan Embry's his son, isn't he? Yeah, which which, which makes me think. I, I, I don't think Ethan Embry and uh, Nick DeVinci can be that far apart in terms of age. age. Yeah, I'd agree with that actually. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so he's driven to this retirement, and uh, like the night he arrives, his next door neighbour is savaged to death by a werewolf, and uh, his dog dies. Uh, his dog like valiantly tries to attack the werewolf and dies and uh, Nick Nemici's character basically spends the next hour and a half preparing for the next full moon he cottons on pretty quickly that it's a werewolf trying to figure out who the werewolf is um, could it be a uh, coughing priest father something or other played by Tom Noonan who knows um, and uh, yeah he, he prepares for the full moon and uh, to get his revenge for his dying mm. it, uh, it's it by uh Adrian Garcia Bogliano. He, apparently he had some stuff at Fright Fest before, so what is Here he? Comes the Devil uh, and Cold Sweat. That's right, he was the guy who did Here Comes the Devil, which I, I haven't seen yet, but it's alright. Yeah, it, it seems to be getting, it, it seemed to have gotten okay, but I think it played a year or two back, maybe yeah. last year. Last um, year, though, yeah. Oh, there you go then. So, um,. Why don't you start off as well? Late phases. What do you think? Uh, it's good. It, it, it's one of this uh, entries into um, sort of current horror that we're getting quite a lot, like the um, the stuff that's directed by uh, Jim Mickle, where they're quite slow burning and quite they, they take a long time to build up and they amp up the tension. Uh, you've got a lot of that. It's quite. Uh, it, it's another quite sort of stoic film with a, a really good central performance from Nick He He's very good. And like you say, you do look at him and think he does pass for somebody who could be in his sixties. Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that he's probably only in his late forties. Yeah. Um, so clever makeup and just just really, he's quite um, quite an, a, a presence on screen. You know the, the fact that he, he has arrived very quickly from Stakeland a few years ago, where he'd done he'd done bits before, but never really comes to the attention. Whereas you get a feeling that he could crop up in something in like a a big Scorsese gangster pick or something like that, and really kind of hold his own. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Against you know more well-known performers, but he's he's very good in it. Um, I I really like this. It, it's it's a horror film, but but it's more of like a thriller. I think uh, it's a horror film in the fact that it's about werewolves, but there's a lot more sort of like slow-burning thriller elements to it, it which it, is nice. It gets there towards the end, I think. Yeah, like the last 20 minutes or so. I mean, it, it goes. Like the, not, no pun intended for the for the jugular with yeah. the horror a bit. You know there are like wolf transformations and really interestingly done as well. Like we'll talk about Wolf Cop later, but um, this had a much more effective way of showing. This. There's a scene involving two characters where the the camera is kind of panning while one of them's watching another turn into a werewolf, and the camera's kind of panning and kind of like gliding yeah. around. And it's a great way of. Um, of hiding the the fact that they probably don't have the budget to do like yeah. a full on werewolf transformation. Like when they do kind of pan back to the the werewolf, the, the kind of the, the the transition is very well done. Um, and it, it's there, there, there were moments like that throughout the film where like the cam like it just really interesting shots. Yeah, the, the, the camera work was really good. It, it was a really it was a really nice looking film. Well, you know, quite sort of. Very little minimalist sets, I and mean, a lot of it is set literally outside buildings. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it kind of it felt a little bit real, and the character you, you kind of get the idea that it, that Nick character is kind of he's aware that he's being a little bit of a dick, but he just kind of can't quite seem to help it. And it's uh, that is explained sort of later on in the film where he has this moment of kind of 
where he, he kind of he admits to something about where he lost his, his sense of self almost yeah. and that was quite a, you know, a really quite powerful little little scene that, that, that felt a little I'll be honest it, it does feel a little bit strange in comparison to the rest of the film that he would become so open in that moment but it was kind of it, it kind of made sense. There, there are moments of disconnect, I think, with the character. Like, yeah. early on when he um, meets uh, Dolores, who... Uh, it, this happens in, like, the first 20 minutes, but she's the neighbour who dies. Yeah. And, like, he, instantly he's quite nice to her. Like, but then really a couple charming, scenes, yeah. Yeah, but then a couple scenes later, there really, uh, there's, like, a welcoming party, and he's just horrible to them, like, straight off the bat. And it's just like, why are you being like that with one character and one with not? I mean, in a way, with Dolores, he's trying to get some information about that claw. Yeah. But at the same time, like, later on, he's investigating, like, somebody, and he's going around somebody's house, and he's being a bit of a prick to them. He's not actually being that nice to no, them. No, so he's a bit of an arse, it, It's There are moments of disconnect. I mean, there, there is... Um, there's some stuff going on with Ethan Embry's character and, and his that I know Noel um, said like he was a little bit like well what was that all building yeah. up to then and then not really anything yeah but I, I think that that was a I think that could be one of those times where the writer just knew he wanted to go somewhere but just couldn't think of where to go so I didn't go anywhere yeah because there's, there's a moment where it's kind of left where uh, the lead character makes a phone call leaves a voicemail but we don't hear the voicemail and you hear the voicemail later on and it's like that no the bit that we heard up to doesn't connect with the bit we've now just heard. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. make sense. It is, it's, it's kind of taking you in the wrong direction, really. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. It, it's not. Yeah, like you say, it, it's, it's without question certainly not not perfect. Yeah, no, it's it's not. But I mean, it, it's a pretty strong genre film. I yeah. mean, for, for films playing Fright Fest, I mean, they are. It, it kind of it is what it is with Fright Fest. If you have a bad year for horror, you have a bad year for Fright Fest. If you have a good year yeah. for horror, you have a good year for Fright Fest. But um, my favourite film of yesterday... Yeah, I, 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 probably, I probably agree with that. Like, yeah. probably comfortably. Yeah. And um, but, yeah, it, but, I mean, we'll get on to the other, the other films later. later. But, um, yeah, it, it's... I, I, I think it will work well. I think it will have its fans. And I think it should do... I don't know what... The, I mean, I know Metronome have got it in the UK. Yeah. And it kind of feels... I, I think Magnet put out Dark Sky films and Glass Eye Picks stuff in the US, so you know it will get like a, it will be like VOD and it'll be VOD over here, like VOD oh, yeah, and then DVD the Monday it's after. It's not get a, a, a cinema release. It's just not. It's not that 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 unfortunate that stark. It, but, but then again, I think horror's finding its place in the, like with anything horror. Horror was the first genre to really go. Oh, video! Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. And horror was the first genre to go. Oh, we can we can shoot digital and it'd be really cheap. And again, horror is the first one to go. Oh, VOD, VOD. You know, it's you know, if you want to look at what's going to be the next big thing in in the way films are viewed, the way films are watched, look to horror and porn because they're going to be the ones that are doing it six years before the studios. Yeah, I mean, that's it's it's interesting. I mean, like the the, the rise of VOD. I mean, I, I think we're going to have to change our concept of what is a theatrical release yeah. and uh, I mean maybe this is all stuff that, that people already know or whatnot. but it does seem more and more apparent that it is just like the big blockbuster films and the Oscar films yeah. will be the ones that will be in the cinema yeah. and like maybe more like mid-level stuff like that Liam Neeson film A Walk Among the Tombstones or like The Equaliser that kind of thing but those I, I, I think they'll still have their place in the cinema based solely on the Cast. The, the cast value, yeah. But I think you won't get your um, 
for instance, I think if, let's say, Taken had come out in two, three years' time, that had gone straight to... Yeah. Or if Taken hadn't happened, A Walk Among the Tombstones would be... Yeah. What is it? But Liam Neeson, because Taken was so well-received and made so much money, that it, it's kind of... It's a bit of a sure bet for that kind of film now. You know, even non-stop, which was... You know, you, you see, you, you kind of enjoyed it. It's, it's, all, it's all right, it's yeah. fine, yeah. But I mean, that got a theatrical release, and it did all right. It didn't, it didn't, you know, it didn't do Taken money, but it, it, it easily... It, it did all right. It, 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 it made its money back yeah. easy, yeah. Which, you know, I think you'll, you'll still get those, but you maybe won't get things of the like of um, Litvis and things like that they they will just find their home on, on, on DVD but I mean like even even I mean I say Oscar-y films but like Two Days One Night the new Darden Brothers film yeah. that's on VOD yeah. it's playing it's based, essentially it's playing in cities like big cities like it won't play in Cardiff actually you'll probably play Chancer in Cardiff but well, but you know but it's on VOD and like Stakeland came out in the cinema a yeah. few years back that would be VOD now yeah God's Pocket God's yeah, we exactly. can see God's Pocket yeah. closer, just f- from here but God's Pocket won't get a wide release despite the fact that it's got some pretty well known names in it and it should do because they look at it and they go right well, we can wide release it send out all these prints get it in the cinemas and everything like that or we can just VOD it we'll probably make the same amount of money I mean, that's, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's... Like I say, I mean, like our concept of this, I think, is going to have to change. And I don't think it's going to say anything about quality. And frankly, you know, I mean, you know me, over the last, like, month or two, I've been going, like, all digital yeah. and whatnot. I am, I, I am at the point now, especially with, like, the, the kid and whatnot, where... I am actually happy that I don't have to schlep out to Cineworld to go see Two Days One. Yeah. I can just pay my like eight nine quid, and I'm just going to watch it at home. Yeah, there, there is there is that. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of the of, of of the cinema experience, but I also at the same time don't think a film needs to be seen at the cinema to get it to be its best. Mm. I mean, for instance, we're going to see uh, Lucy later on today. Very much looking forward to that, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing it on the big screen, but. It's one of those films where I'm going and doing it because we're we're in London and we're we're 35 seconds away. And, it, and it's, 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 it's it's fake IMAX and it's Dolby Atmos. And I, I, I want to try out Dolby Atmos uh, yeah, and, yeah. and see see what you know what the buzz is with that. But I'd have no problem with if that was available on VOD for seven quid. I'd watch it tonight at home. Yeah. If we were watching it here, I'd just watch it tonight at home for seven quid. Yeah. Or a tenner. I mean that's the thing. Need. I know we're the tangent team, but fuck it, we've got time, haven't we? So. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's, I don't know, it, it, it's coming to a point like I cancelled a Cineworld Unlimited card uh, a few weeks back. Um, just just because, like, these days, I mean, like, the, the thing that I go to see in the cinema is, like, what we're reviewing, essentially. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the stuff that we review is VOD these days. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, if it, I, I'm, and, and frankly, there is a show closer to me that it, it will take me less time to get to so if I do have to go out to the cinema I'll just go there I'm also like I will say the allocated seating kind of thing like someone about it it has kind of pissed me off and their dealing with it has annoyed me so there is also that that comes into it but it's I don't know it it is changing and I mean like frankly like Fryfest, I think like maybe 10% of the films that play Fryfest get a theatrical release yeah I'd say yeah that's only going to go down. Oh yeah, that, you know that's only going to go down. I mean, like the Green Inferno was was pulled, and like that's that. If that plays on a big screen in the UK, it will be one screen in London yeah. on a Friday before it comes out on DVD or Blu-ray the Monday after. Yeah, and, and Pitchhouse or um, Pitchhouse maybe might show it in two three months 
as like as one of their cult Tuesday movies. Yeah, yeah. It might end up on something like that. Whereas you know, ten years ago. If the Green Inferno might have actually got a big street release. Five years ago, I think it would have yeah. been, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, the, 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 the change is ever increasing in velocity, yeah. but to be honest, I don't think it's a particularly bad thing for film fans. If yeah. it means people get to see shit more comfortably and easier. Yeah. What are you, I mean, yes, you are losing the big screen thing, you're using, losing the audio thing, but I mean, like, people, like I've said, like, are oh, the experience of watching a cinema in a cinema with a bunch of people. I think those same people would probably admit that they get pissed off with uh, with people in oh. the cinema as well. So that's yeah. a bit of a swings and roundabouts case, I think. I, it, it, I mean, it, uh, full enough late phases, I think it was. Obviously, Green, Inf- it was Green Inferno, there was a chap sat behind us who waited until the film had just started to start opening his wrap pa- Oh, that's right, yeah, yeah. And he wasn't, like, being quiet. And it wasn't, like, it was it was crisps. I mean, who eats crisps in a cinema for a start-off? Yeah, yeah. You know, popcorn's louder. But he opened a big bag of crisps and was eating the said crisps in a cinema, which is just... That's just not cool. I mean, it was literally as the film was starting as well. Yeah. He ripped them open. You know, I mean, like, I... Even, I, I like... I had a I had a, a, a foot long sub even with me during the last show in yesterday but do you know what I did I ate most of it before the film started and then when it started I took it out of the wrapper disposed of the wrapper and then just had it in my so what noise is that going to make exactly you know so it, it but yeah uh, so that's the thing I, I just I am happy to just watch shit at home the only thing is that I would say say to that is maybe the fact that you get distracted by your phone and what but it, it is just like I, I, I have a new system it's the same system that I operate with football now is if I've never seen the film my phone gets on silent I turn it over and I put it out of arm yeah, 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 yeah. and that's it and I do the same thing with football now I, I don't I'm not allowed to touch my phone it's a film that I've seen five times I'll happily pick up my phone every few seconds and just have a little yeah. every few seconds but every 10-15 minutes if I want to but if I'm watching something and then if I get a text I can pause the film and I can check it um, if I want to or if I'm going you know what I'm into this that can fucking wait I'll do that but I'm, I'm doing quite well with that very strict rule at the moment and it's working quite well for me because you don't need your phone every two minutes no quite uh, not jiggling yet sorry if you just had a finger but um okay cool that, so that is my tankard of coffee <laughs> it is a big car I, I'm, I'm having a litre of coffee <laughs> <laughs> yeah you really are um so I mean but uh, I mean we're kind of tangented away from late phases but that's not not to say the, the quality of the film no it's, it, it is a solid I mean, a bit of film I mean I will say the reveal of the werewolf is obvious yes but it's interesting where there, there, there was a cut to the like proper reveal of who it was where the person's looking at themselves in the mirror it, it, that I really liked yes and after that that what that kind of wolf does to um, there's a tactic that he uses to try and fight Nick Dimitri's character or, uh, or she uses yes. that uh, uh, I, that I really enjoyed and it's like it's something that you you Actually, I don't think I've... It probably has, but I don't think I've ever seen it in a werewolf movie before, what he... No, it's... it's it is, it's, 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 uh, it's a clever tactic. It's a he. Sorry, but, yeah. yeah. But, no, no, no that, that, that's that much of a spoiler, isn't no, it? No, I don't think it's ever insinuates this all. Uh, yeah, no, it is, it is an interesting... An interesting tax to take, was there. Yeah, which... Uh, and, I mean, the, 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 the climax is solid as well. Um, it, it makes the most of a, a low budget. I mean, I know um, Robert Kurtzman was the... Uh, uh, w- was like a, a creature effects producer or something yeah. so I don't think he did them but there's 
it does feel very KFB-ish and the, the actual look of the werewolves like in the face I thought was quite creepy as well Noel mentioned he thought it was like kind of 80s horror like thrillers and whatnot it, it, it very is eight, 80s kind of 80s monsters they're kind of like bug-eyed and like yeah. even a little bit smiley or something they've got yeah. big lips and it's just like it, it's a bit it sounds stupid in, but when you it, see it it's actually it does actually work off, quite well off-putting yeah, yeah. they they've not made them look particularly scary and all fangy and yeah. but, but they do look quite fucking terrifying yeah yeah like you would not be half of one of those in real life no. um, actually I will mention as well about the Green Inferno that I forgot um, Kate did the effects there I mean it was actually Greg Nicotero yeah. and uh and uh, uh, Berg, Howard, Howard Berger yeah. is it um, and uh, that, that, the, 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 actually to be fair the effects in The Green Inferno were pretty small oh, the effects are great yeah you know yeah. like, they, they, like you can expect that from Greg Nicotero you know but I mean there's a dismemberment of someone yeah. at one point and like it's like it goes on really long and it looks quite real and it's just like oh really it's good shit. It, the effects are great on it yeah so uh, but yeah anyway um, so that's late phases that's yeah, definitely not shit oh no, definitely not shit yeah. nice um Okay, so I'll um, I'll just quick talk about them because uh, Mark's being a Nazi about the amount of time all that to spend on it. I'm literally tapping my tapping my watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's oh. eating his time already with this explanation. So uh, this is directed by um, Phil Hawkins, and that was last showing. Who <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, wrote, directed, and produced it, um, and stars Robert Englund, um, the gay Tyrell from Game of Thrones. Forgive me, I can't remember the guy's name. And uh, a a lady whose name is called Emily, but I don't know what her surname is. <laughs> um, my my uh, my phone's in for repair at the moment, so I've got a shit phone where like IMDb would take about twenty minutes to load. So forgive me. Um, and basically, the story is uh, Robert England is a projectionist who um, is basically told film projections go in you're going to be shoveling popcorn until you retire and uh, he refuses the digital projection training and uh, even though he does mention the fact that stuff's been played in the wrong aspect ratio a few times and the, the cinema manager says no one gives a shit no one's complained about it which oh. uh, is a bit so, so it, it, you know a bit audience. yeah it's very one could say slightly pandering uh. to, be, to be honest um uh, and basically, yeah, Robert England, he goes a bit nuts and he decides he could film um, with these uh, with this couple who have just kind of started going out with each other. They're not too sure of each other. And um, it kind of goes on from there. I don't want to get into the plot too much because actually the kind of like the, 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 the twists and turns is like stupid as some of them are. And like, really? Uh, it is actually quite a good watch in that way. Um, yeah. The thing is, like, I'm almost target audience for this because this film was shot at the View Cheshire Oaks and I used to a projectionist for View who left my job because it was going all digital and I didn't want to shovel popcorn so like I, I like apart from the fact 30, 40 years younger than Robert England I'm like, I'm like I'm bang on in there basically but the thing is this is not a criticism of the film because it is not a criticism of the film but from my point of view I was watching it thinking right the layouts of all views are exactly the same when he's going through that door and it's supposed to lead through his projection that door does not lead through his projection it leads to the fucking back of the concession stand yeah, and it's like it's it's little thing, and like the lights don't work like that. You know, when they shut off the lights and like the emergency lights come on, they're not like that and like, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, so which is like I say, that's not a fair criticism of the film, but that was putting me off. So maybe my take on it's a little bit skewed. But um, I mean, as a film itself, it, it is a mixed bag. Um, I mean, 
Robert Englund who uh, ha- tries to put on a British accent and it wavers <laughs> a treat um, but he's he's actually alright and you there's not a lot of empathy to be had with his character but in the, at the start there certainly is and you can see why he would lose his shit maybe not to the extent that he does but you can see why um and I mean, like the the, the 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 kind of the central two couple, they're they're fine as well. I mean, like actually, no one's bad in this film at all, um, which is which is good, you know. And, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a low budget, well, not not super low budget. It's kind of it's pretty low budget. It's, it's a pretty low budget. Yeah, yeah, it looks yeah. it anyway. Um, but like the cinema setting is um, interesting. It's actually quite unique, you know. I mean, like a horror film set in a cinema that doesn't actually happen all that often. Yeah. Um, and the, the some of the the, the there's a particular method of killing or at least um, hurting someone involving um, film being wrapped around their neck and then the film being put on the platter and then starting the motor and then just watching like it constrict around the guy's neck uh, which is which is pretty it's pretty awesome that's, that's actually pretty, that's pretty death by film yeah yeah, yeah. It, you know and he's be, he's being choked by the 35mm film and this guy is actually the, like one of the ones who's getting rid of the 35mm film he's killing 35mm film but 35mm film's killing him you know that kind of thing yeah. you know and um it, it, so I mean, it's it's got fun elements to it, and like it as the start of a kind of a potential franchise. It's like I actually, I actually would be up for watching the second one. This wasn't a very good film, but I would be up for seeing where it goes because it's like Robert Englund's character was kind of playing these these two characters, yeah, and, and like kind of getting them into situations and like and but the thing is, it, it's all like because he's trying to make this film and he's trying to like get them to do this stuff that he's pre-planned but it is an awful lot like wow you've really guessed every single thing they're going to do despite <laughs> the fact you don't know these people at all there is also a really unfortunate scene where um, an escalator is going up and this guy's got to go down the escalator and it sp- he spends about it felt like a good two or three minutes trying to work out how he's going to get down it and it's just like mate just run faster than the escalator is going up and you're done the easiest way to run down an escalator that's going the wrong way is to hold up the bars and run down the run down the metal bits at the side yeah that, that you see that makes yeah that makes sense I mean that scene kind of ends in a way that you kind of see coming but it's still a bit like oh blimey you know that, that looks like that hurt but um yeah I mean it's um what's the gore like the gore yeah there's, I, there's barely any there's know. barely any I mean like this thing if it if it wasn't for the fact that, that like there's quite a large level of threat throughout the entire thing it wouldn't be that far off a 12A All right. um, I mean it, I'm assuming it's a 15 I think it comes out on DVD or like VOD on Monday yeah I think it does yeah, yeah so like it, it I, but I'm assuming it's a 15 if it was an 18 that would be ridiculous but I like I could almost see it being a 12 like I, it's not I don't think but um, but I mean it's I don't know it's it's an alright enough time it's it's not an embarrassment nobody embarrasses themselves uh, it, it, it goes on a bit yeah um, it does go on a bit but and the, at the end is a bit like oh, just finish get get on with it you know but um, it also ends even though the, what's actually happening at the end I actually thought was kind of actually quite strong it, it, it doesn't really pull its punches with like its intentions uh, which was alright I mean, I, I, I'd say it's to go I mean it might just be the audience I was watching it with but it's, it's one of those things where um, I 
I didn't see it because uh, I, I ate something that disagreed with me, so I had to, I had to go and, and, and have a moment to sort that out. Um, but when it crops up on, on Netflix, which it will, it'll crop up on one of the regions, Netflix, by the end of this year. I'm, I'm I will have so. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll happily give it a go. Yeah. It'll be one of those. Uh, so, yeah, but it'll, it, it'll be like a... It'll be like a late fucking Thursday night watch for me yeah. or something like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to giving it a go. I, I, I thought it was acceptable. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the bridge between touching cloth and definitely not shit. Yeah. It's, I think, I think I'm touching cloth because it's not, it's not amazing. How, how long is it? It's an hour forty, isn't it? Something like probably that. something like that. Yeah. If it was an hour twenty, yeah, I, like, I would probably be tipping into definitely not shit territory. Yeah, structuring it. But uh, as is, I mean, it's like. Actually, no, I'm going to say definitely not shit because I would give it a three out of five. And, not shit, yeah. You know, a five, a five, a four or a five out of ten, I would say, is kind of touching cloth. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, definitely not shit. Why not? Yeah. You know, it's, um, I, I, yeah. But you never know. I might watch it again at home and just think this is really bad. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's not amazing. But if you're a genre fan, if you're listening to this, get a, at least a couple of kicks out of it. Yeah. Um, Right, Dead Snow 2, Red vs. Dead. Yes. So, you did not see the last showing, but this is the second time you've seen Dead Snow 2. This is the Dead Snow 2, yeah. Um, I, I went into it, um, and I, 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 I remember saying to Ian that I, I kind of enjoyed it uh, on, on first watch. Uh, that I, I wasn't a huge fan of uh, the first film, of the first Dead Snow, um, but... I enjoyed this. It's a lot more fun, but um, I must admit I enjoyed it all the second time. I think part of it that could be, and I said to in, after the screening, is watching it with with an audience. That's a good film to watch with an audience because it is quite simply it's just it's it's really yeah. it, it's a stupid film, which made to be stupid. Essentially, it picks up uh, exactly where the last film ended, uh, where you've got the character Martin as being. Arrested for killing all of the all of his friends uh, on mountain, um, and through a series of events, he ends up with Herzog's arm being attached to him, uh, and yeah. his arm, although it's attached to him, he doesn't have full control over it. It's gone Herzog's powers. Herzog ends up getting his arm, and the Nazis and Herzog basically just got a killing spree and. Um, Martin enlists the help of the zombie squad which is uh, three geeky Americans led by Martin, led by Martin Star, Star which yeah. is interesting um, to come over and um, help so Ian what, what, did, what did you think of Dead Snow 2? yeah alright so um, I had a good time with Dead Snow 2 I'm not a massive fan of the first one to be honest there are some sins that the first one commits that the, this one does as well it is massively pandering to its audience um, and kind of like embarrassingly so there is one one of the, the zombie squad essentially talks entirely in Star Wars quotes but she's like she kind of she basically looks like Claire Polani 20 years ago yeah. it, it's just like it's Jocelyn DeBar she has been in some stuff I'm sure she has seen in something she was in nothing of, of note actually and uh, uh, she's she's alright you know she's she's fine but it just it, oh. like her first scene she's wearing a t-shirt like that says it's a trap and you know it's it, it's a bit I mean like the, the, the thing is I mean may, maybe I'm stereotyping by saying that Star Wars girls not look like Claire Polani 20 years ago yeah, no but they, they just don't no. it, it just it, it, I mean that kind of is what it is it, it, it is it is 
that is one thing that you've got to say about it is Martin Starr plays the geek very well he plays that kind of overconfident nerd kind of character yeah but his two nerdling friends um, are both very attractive yeah. it's a little bit like I mean the, the, the one that kind of like has a Rachel Lee Cook and she's all that and kind of like thing going on as yeah. well you know so it, it's but I mean they're, they're both alright yeah, yeah. I mean like Martin Starr's good you know I mean like, it, it's it just I mean like I liked that the, the, the kind of the more geeky looking one I liked her enthusiasm yes like how much she was getting into the zombie killing that, that was that was entertaining but it, it just like it's that kind of thing I mean like you had that one character in the first one who had the brain dead shirt on and like was talking about horror films constantly and it's just yeah that, that, that's what kind of grated on me in the, in the first one it felt a little bit like like it was a director going look how much I know about horror yeah yeah. Uh, and it was there was too many references and it, it got to a little bit like when every two minutes there's another reference to a film it's like do you know what essentially you're making a clip show without clips yeah yeah that's that's, that's the good way of putting it that. I mean but I, I mean the, the film itself is a lot of fun um, you know I mean the the red versus dead element of it doesn't really come into play until like towards yeah. the end of the film and that, that was a little like oh was that was that it yeah. you know but um, the it, it is kind of fun just like the absurdity of the situation is played up constantly and that's I mean, it's. I think it's more of a comedy than the first one actually was. Oh, well, this is a full-blown ridiculous it, comedy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. none of it is scary in the slightest. No. It, it is just trying to make you laugh, and it does. Yeah. At, at moments, I mean, it's an ending which is <laughs> like, played out to a total eclipse of the heart, which uh, which we get in its entirety. Yeah, the song. yeah, yeah. Which is mental. Yeah. Like, I just like I could not believe what was happening in that scene. And it just... I'm kind of a little bit scared about where Dead Snow 3 would go if they did do another I, one. I think they are planning on doing a Dead Snow 3. Like, just because of, like, how it ends and it's, like, where they could go with that. It's like, I don't think I actually want to see that. <laughs> you know, um, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, there's even, like, a zombie character who's more like a dog. Uh, you know, yeah, like, they basically treat like a pet. Yeah, which, which, is, which is fantastic. And... Um, I, I don't know. I mean, like the gore effects are good. Um, it, 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 it's full blown in its it's ridiculous. I mean, there, there's particularly there's a scene where they use a guy's intestines to siphon um, oh to siphon gas petrol yeah, from a, a, a coach to a tank, which is just it, it, it's played a wonderfully yeah. kind of. The, the thing is, watching in that kind of audience at that time, there was a few bits where people laughed that you were like, do you know what? That's not actually that funny. It but. I like the fact that you're enjoying it that much. People were doing that with the last showing as well, but I mean, I can't help but think it was maybe because Robert Englund was like, yeah, there, you know, uh, it, it, which, I mean, it, that, that's kind of part of the course with Fright Fest, though. It's like yeah. you, you just have to, you have to swallow that shit, otherwise you're just not going to have a good time. No, no, but, that's a great. I mean, it, that is a wonderful thing. To yeah, have. but there, is, there, yeah, exactly. But there is, there is shit funny like in, in Dead Snow. Yeah. yeah. So and I mean, and, 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 and fair play. I mean. I don't have too much more to say about it, to be honest. No, I, I don't. The, the introduction of the uh, the bumbling police officer who thinks he's a badass, uh, but he's just terrible, and constantly goes on about seagulls. Yeah, the, the translation machine for seagulls, that was a pretty good running joke. A very good running joke. Um, 
running throughout it. Yeah, um, so like he goes on like a good, a good diatribe about how useful a translation machine <laughs> yeah. would be. And it's wonderful the fact that, that you think it's ended there, and then she mentions that later on another character mentions something about seagulls right, at the end. And at the end, and he goes, "I wish we had that machine." <laughs> and it's just, it, it's so pitch perfect. He's a wonderful character to have. And then you've got the um, the Russian. The mad Russian that they that they um, resurrect, who's a great character because he's just a badass. And Was I think, that Derek Mears? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they probably should have done more with him though. I felt like there should have been more done with him. That's the thing. I mean, like that. The, 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 the subtitle of the film was Red versus Dead, yeah. and yet they only come into it in like the last half hour. Yeah. You know, and he barely. I mean, he's basically there to fight, and that's yeah. about it. But I mean, it's. It's, it, and I mean the plot itself is actually quite fun as well just like the Nazis want to like take this village yeah. because that's what they were supposed to do when they were alive but it's like they just want to complete their mission yeah. and there are scenes of like just people like having a bath or having breakfast and then the Nazis <laughs> just, just coming in and just start hitting them with like mallets and <laughs> oh yeah the, the woman in the bath that they're just like constantly <laughs> smacking it's like it, it just it is it's, it, it, it's zany yeah it it, it's cartoonish but it, 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 it sets its style out very early that that's what it's going to do. Yeah. It, and it, it's very good. I mean, there is shit in there that does not that does not work. No, yeah, there's, a few, there's a few points where you go, uh, no, no. But there, there's plenty in there that yeah. does at the same time, you know. Oh, it, it, it's certainly a fun watch. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely not shit. Definitely not shit. You know, I mean, it, it, like I say, it wasn't my favourite of the, of the day, but it was... It was. I mean, also we watched it at like ten to nine, yeah. and it was like that was kind of a perfect time for it, yeah. to be honest. So, um, yeah, so that's that's two. And uh, finally, we got uh, Wolf Cop, which is uh, directed by a man. Yeah, Lowell Ball or something like that. Yeah, something like that. So, um, and it was basically uh, he won some sort of competition to get a million dollars worth of funding to make a film, and he made Wolf Cop, um, which is uh, about a um, a cop. Uh, who is really rubbish at his job um, he's basically fueled by bourbon and um, he <laughs> what's the best way to describe him Lowell Dean is called Lowell Dean there you go what is the best way to get cop very um, essentially he's he's an alcoholic cop who is terrible at his job uh, and uh, essentially is a bit of a running joke in the town also seems to be overrun by hoodlums and criminals uh, and it's a little bit successful, um, and there's this kind of presence within the town, um, and it's all based around, there's a drink and shoot competition, where they go out and get drunk and try and shoot this mythical bear thing. Yeah. Uh, that's about it, really. There's, there's, there is so little plot to this film. The, the amount of there's stuff. a lot that goes on in it. There's a lot of plot, but there's little of it at the same time like shapeshifters come into it and rituals come into it and uh, people aren't what they appear and th- the thing is the po- sorry go on. all of it's incredibly flimsy yeah yeah the, the, the poster for the film is fantastic it's a, in a police uniform sticking a shotgun towards you like and it's all drawn and there's like sexy ladies around yeah it, like it, you know and that kind of thing and that's the movie I wanted to see yeah and there's about a t- 10 or 15 minutes of the film is that yeah and it's wonderful when yeah. it is that one of, one of the best scenes is, is where said wolf cop is holding the door that he ripped off and he keeps looking at a building then looking back at the other guy in the car who's a bit of the, the village crazy yeah and then he's kind of looking back 
and the guy looks at, looks at the, at the thing and sees it's an auto shop and he's like I know what you're thinking and yes I approve of that idea, idea. idea. and yeah, they, yeah. they basically they, they, they pimp his, his car and we get a wonderful montage of, of, of that and then there's like a 10 minute period after that where we get wolf yeah the problem is is it, it's wrapped in an hour and 20 minutes where we don't get that movie and it's not bad the film there's it, it, it still an awful lot there that, that, that's fun and it is short and it is well. short but I just what I wanted was what I, what I thought uh, which is you know it's not the film's fault that I thought differently but I literally thought it was a a cop in a big city going around who happens to do well but to be fair the poster does sell it does as sell that. it as that it's all neon and things like that and this, the town is a neon town it's really, yeah exactly I mean it's, it's one of those it's one of those classic things where it's like the 80s where like they make the poster and it just advertises the film they can't possibly be yes it's kind of like that but even like the yeah I mean like I said I said beforehand if the wolf cop font was that like neon neon pink yeah. I'd be like yes but it starts and it like even the title sequence is like a completely the, different the title film. sequence was, was incredibly quick what do you mean? You know, the, the opening title sequences uh, for, the, for the film where it's going through the cast and director and like that. Oh, they just flash up quickly. It felt like it was going at like twice speed. Yeah. Like they've gone, oh, we, need, we need to get this in, in below a certain amount of time, yeah, so let's yeah. fast forward this. It felt really, really quick. And at that point, I started thinking, oh, I expected like neon and like city streets and, you know, going and, past and in, like drug dealers and hookers and everything like that. And it, it's this ritual thing. And instead, you've got this guy running around in a Canadian forest yeah you know it's, it's a, it, yeah I mean it, but I mean it is it's just about entertaining enough throughout yeah. the thing and there are there's a werewolf love making scene which goes on too long but yeah. is quite quite funny yeah. to start with at least um, and just like how much that woman looks into it yeah that, that, that's that is, it's, it's brilliant um, it, it, it's, it's almost pitched at points like a her character feels like she's, she's from a different film like she's from like a, an early 90s neo-noir film um, and she's been transported into this schlocky yeah um, so, but she, she seems like the person a, a character from the the poster of the film yeah yeah everyone else seems like a character from the film but it is played for laughs there are a, quite a few laughs within that Jonathan Terry's the village crazy isn't he yeah yeah he's good back he's, he, he's yeah, he's, he's amusing throughout. Um, but then it, it, it loses its shit, really, in the last 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, it just it kind of turns into, here's the twist, here are the villains, and we're just going to have them kind of run around and yeah. punch each other. And it just... It looks like it lost its budget towards the end of the film. Yeah, that's a good... Yeah, that's a, that's a good summation of it. It just... It's... It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it, 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 it's, uh, I don't know I'm definitely not shit on it, or whether I'm... I'm touching cloth. I, I think I'm, I'm touching cloth. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think it's shit, but I don't think I can quite say that it's definitely not shit. And th- actually, do you know what? If I'm going to say touching cloth and wolf cloth, I'm going to say, I'm going to go back on what I said earlier, I'm going to go with that for the last show in as well. Yeah. It's, I, 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 I think they're both there. Which, so, they're not terrible. No, they're not no, terrible. absolutely not, no. You know, so, I mean, like, so, I mean, going through our day at Fright Fest then, we had Green Inferno, you were definitely shit, I was yeah. definitely not shit. Uh, we had uh, Late Phases, two definitely not shits. Yep. Uh, last showing, Touching Cloth, 
Death Snow 2, two definitely not shits, and Walk Up, two touching cross. Yeah, which, 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 you know, I've got, I've got one that I thought was shit there, but I'm happy I saw Green Inferno. Yeah. Because I want to see it. Um, so, I, you know, for a, a day at Fright Fest where I don't see anything where you go, that was just fucking terrible. Yeah, I mean, we, we the, the film that we skipped out on was Shockwave Dark Side 3D, which, which by was, all accounts was really bad. It was really so, bad. it's, um, yeah, it's a good title for a film though Shockwave Dark Side 3D yeah like, that, it is a good title uh, yeah. I gotta do something uh, to keep my head uh, straight you know what I'm saying I'm uh, into here man uh. yeah. ah. <laughs> here we go turn it up let's start from block to block the best cut to check and mark and the pump The hardest part of winning is choosing sides. Now, I don't care if you don't believe in me, I'm going to make it anyway. Above the Rim, a film by Jeff Pollock. No, I can't really read. Right, right for the end, uh, here, we, here we are. It's, uh, it, it's the uh, Tupacapon Marathon, continuing with Above the Rim. Uh, it's directed by uh, uh, Drove. Yes. Jackson Polk? Ja- no, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Jeff Polk, actually. J- it stars um, that guy who plays the, the main guy. Who yeah. plays one of the guys in... Um, he, one of the basketball players, he plays Zed. The guy who's got the Z in his throat in White Man Can't Jump. There you go. And, and um, it's well, 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 can't, 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 can't pause you in a second there, Ian, and I'll, I'll, I'll come back to it. Because his IMDB page needs to be read out loud. Uh, which guy is this? Another guy who plays... The main guy. Um, Kyle Watson. Kyle. Oh, uh, yes. Um, can't go Because you, you don't want to hear. Just, just while Mark's looking at up, it also said actually the guy who plays the security guard it starts here Leon um, uh, John yeah. Manuel from the yeah. 1993 film Leon the professional uh, really he's been in other films the security guard yeah but the two it was in it was in Cool Runnings uh, Jesus wet. can I say holy oh, shit the guy in Cool Runnings he was that guy right can I, can I say you guys will adore this the guy who plays Carl Watson Ian do the synopsis and I'll do this alright um Above the Rim stars the guy who plays Carl Watson as um, a, a bit of a big-headed basketball uh, point man who point guard, uh, point guard. What? I don't care point uh, who um, likes to be <laughs> to be fair I did ask who shot I, I did ask Noel who shot Tupac at the end and it wasn't because I couldn't tell who he was because he was black it was because he was so badly made yeah. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, and um, he is inducted into two packs of basketball team even basketball though, uh, basketball team it's basketball team it's just a shootout it, it's just for a shootout contest at the end even yeah. though it, it kind of like in the first half hour it's 
kind of like it's, he's like deciding for a team we are asked to believe that um, hardcore gangsters are worried hardcore about gangsters are seriously concerned about a fucking basketball shootout well, can, can, can I just take you to um, Dwayne Martin who plays um, Kyle Watson you've already asked us three times in, who is um, Kyle Watson Kyle Watson's the main character he's a security guard he's, no, he's the, the point guy. Oh, he's the actual can I take you to his uh, please do because I'm I'm reading it and I'm reading it off the thing. Dwayne Martin is a trip threat in Hollywood and has proved himself as the maverick with career that expands beyond Hollywood. This guy wrote himself. Not only is good looks and impeccable comic timing earning respect in the active arena, but he's an accomplished writer and producer. Are you cutting out that? Are you cutting out? That is literally as it is written verbatim are you cutting out the bit where he says and shit nope honestly you're reading that exactly what it says yeah no fair enough what, what, what is that then? that's his IMDB oh god it is as well that is opening by what is that and, and, and he's now real husbands of Hollywood yes so, so right. okay so so the story is he gets kind of like a two back drafts him into his team and two back two back you said I said two back you said two back I, I probably said I like oh, oh Jesus Christ oh. <laughs> we're in the middle of a, a, a pub on Leicester Square while we do this and Mark's being quite loud. Um, so, um, and amazingly, I'm being the respectful one, I think. Uh, so, a, a security guard comes back to town and he had a traumatic experience in his past. He starts dating, dating Carl's mother and stuff happens. Above the rim, messy as fuck, yes? Yes. Mild drive. No. <laughs> no. You can go first. Right. Can I ask you a question? Go on. You can indeed. I don't know if this was, let's say, the DVD version that I was watching. It's the Anybody only version. Anybody else feel like the opening scene felt like it was broken? Well, well the sound was right. My point is, it took me a couple of minutes to go, all right, is it a dream sequence or what? And then... It's like... Yeah, the sound sounds wrong. I couldn't understand what they were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't really know what was happening. Then I, then I start, started to figure out that, yeah, this nuts act situation is obviously a dream sequence. But the opening scene of a It's film, not. It, it, no, the opening, it's scene, dream the opening scene of any... Well, it's a flashback, isn't it? Well, he wakes he up. Yeah, no, so, yeah, yeah. But it could be considered as... It's part dream sequence, part reminiscent. And that's fine. Flashback, you know what? If you want to actual... That's fine. Right, but if you want to do that halfway through a film, be him falling asleep, then yeah, that yeah. makes slightly more sense. But if you do it, the, the opening scene of a film, it makes me feel like, all right, I'm just going to say it. The DVD rip that I downloaded was broken. It felt wrong. It felt like the sound wasn't right. As you, yeah. I don't understand. It, it, it felt broken. No, that's exactly the sound of uh, in general side just of the HS. The point, just at the point where I started to adjust to the fact that, all right, this is clearly a dream sequence it goes back to the, the big no the big dramatic steppy isn't it steppy the, yeah, the, the audio it's kind of like it, it almost it doesn't quite it almost repeats on itself yeah but it, 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 it kind of if I was saying hello how are you it go it sounds silent like that yeah it's almost like they're whispering and there's echoes on the whispering it's really yeah. fucking 
weird. Like that, yeah. So I accepted that, and then I was just like, all right, it's clearly a dream sequence, and we're going to have to refer back to this at some point. And then the big dramatic thing happens where a guy falls off a wing, and I have to question why anybody would put a fucking basketball net there. Well, can like I the most ridiculous place to question, find the Can I question something else? Further than that. Can you question everything about this film? Is. So. Why does he fall through a window and the shot of him actually falling down and you get the shot from below where he's falling down? He's just falling off a rooftop. Why is there a window there? I was assuming it was the, no rooftop. Like, the pane of glass against. But there's no pane of glass in the shot from beneath and falling down. It's just the basketball net. So there's there already there. There's, there's a continuity error, and there's a there's, there's a a story element. Let's, error. let's let's move on. But that's the least of worries. Let's move on to the actual story, which yeah. is a, a whole bunch of stuff. It's confusing stuff where I don't think these things happen in the real world. Yeah. We're, 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 we're expected to believe. Sorry, we're expected yeah. to believe. Were you going to give a synopsis? Then? Yeah, I, I just I did. All right, I, I think you missed my excellent synopsis. But we're expected to believe that a basketball star can get picked up and cared about by the gangster enough well, to invest money in him and time in him. It's just like it's for, it for a shootout like, concept. Yeah, and it feels like the director's trying to go, oh, hello. You can indeed, yeah. yeah. Can we get three more? Three more players. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. It feels like the director... Actually, sorry, could you make that two more? Sorry, two more. Yeah, yeah, cheers. No, no, I'm alright for the moment. It, fe- it feels it feels like the director wanted to make a hood rat movie, like a you know a, a hood gangster movie, and he also wanted to make a basketball movie, and he paid no attention to how those things might work together. He just made them both and fucking figured it out in the edit room. There's no cohesion behind the like. Oh, is it a basketball movie or is it a gangster? Hood fairy tale or is it a basketball? Well, well, it's half an hour is the basketball film. Well, yeah, the rest of it, I'm not sure. Well, what I'll say there is it almost feels a little bit like um, a, a slice of 90s um, black Americana. Um, set against a Ken Loach kitchen sink drama aesthetic, which has got basketball as its as its cheers as its backdrop, um, and that kind of fits in there. It, it's an incredibly melodramatic movie in terms of the fact that it's it takes life and it takes slices of life um, and very undramatic things. And it blows them up into being something so much more than, than, than in reality they actually are. Which is what kids and think dramas do. They, they, they take the almost, not quite benign, but they take the, the, the very subtle elements of drama and they go, bang, these things are real and, the, and these things exist. And none of what happens in Above the Rim is a particularly... Well, there's little minutiae and little kind of fairy tales and little flickers of, of, of actual major things, but the majority of it is quite minor things. Of plus, kid gets kid gets caught up with um, a bad crowd, 
Take some of the elements of um, it's hard. you know regs, regs to riches sports drama and some of the elements of uh, Rocky Tuber Hood, Boys and Hood. like Hood's fucking fairy tale. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a good idea. Let's yeah. smash those two things together. But like what you're saying about the kitchen sink drama, yes, try and make that movie. Yep. But the problem that this film sets it, almost sets itself up for is right. Well, when we're talking about um, juice, yeah, uh, like you know, correct, juice, yeah. juice wasn't amazing. But no, one of the things that it did is it set things up really well in the first place. Yeah. So he said, "This is this guy. This is the situation that he's in. This is this guy. This is the situation he's. This guy's struggling with this. This guy's struggling with that. This guy's got these family issues. This is the type of like it sets the characters out very clearly. The problem with this is he just." Just it starts. It goes over there, and then it goes over there. Yeah, I know. Just all right. Now, all right. So we're focusing on this guy who's really good at basketball, and then he gets introduced to this gangster, and then Tupac's not in it for a bunch of fucking time while he goes over. And it's just it goes from place to place. He never seems to want to make a decision. No, it's where it's going. It's even in the third act. The big thing is um, third man having this thing over him that, or like uh, him accepting. It's like, well, what are you accepting cash for? You're not accepting cash to join your team. You're accepting cash to no, because the thing is there is American colleges are very, very strict upon um, what you will you'll do for your skills. But, but it's like in the yeah, first act, it doesn't feel very. But in the first act, in the first act, he says, "Oh, I'm, I'm going off to Tupac's team." Yeah. It's only like Tupac has got like a rival. Like high school basketball team or something. Not that it's just this neighbourhood. What have we actually seen up until that point? All we've seen up until that point was Tupac giving a grand early on, and he supposedly fucked that prostitute. That's all we've seen at that point. So when Tupac, or whatever his character's name is, when Tupac addresses him at the end and sort of goes, "Well, you know what, fucking college boy, do whatever you want, but you won't get accepted if I tell them that." What you bought him some trainers? He's like, it just it doesn't feel like it. It's not. But, but that kind of stuff. Doesn't feel, no, that kind of feel stuff. like he's been brought into the. It doesn't feel yeah, like he's yeah. been brought into no, a gangster I, 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 world I that he can't get I out. I completely agree with that. He's been bouncing around with everybody else. He's yeah. not really been. The association with a what would come up in any research would have known gangster would be enough to make a, a college like Joe. Whoa! If that's the case, it doesn't make that case in the film. Yeah. That's you right, doesn't it? It, 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 it absolutely doesn't. Association, it, 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 it association with a known gangster is not fully explained. No, it doesn't, like, it doesn't bring like, across that. It, it, it doesn't do anything to that guy. It's the fullest. And the thing about well, that is, it misses a trick there because it has birdie killing flip. Bernie Mac character but it doesn't really do anything with, with that the problem is that the film is with the Brother Rim is it's got at the heart you've got Cal Watson and it's it's a combination of the relationship between Cal Watson and Birdie but also of Cal Watson and Shep um, and th- that's the thing is it can't work out which film it's trying to be is it trying to be a young basketball player fighting against 
the uh, trappings of his yeah, wife trying upbringing. to get a fucking scholarship yeah. or something. Or is like it, this. or is it a uh, young basketball, a young cocky basketball player who is throwing everything away by going towards the trappings of that upbringing, but he's been brought back by a kid, by a guy who went through the same thing and was caught back by something else. This is similar, it's a similar sort of thing that we've seen done before and done best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If we take Boys in the Hood as the perfect the example, perfect example of it, yeah. you know, the kid trying to get out of the ghetto but he's pulled into the situation. Please. It's a perfect example of it. We did, like, with, with fucking Juice, it's exactly the same. It's exactly that same. did it to a lesser degree, but this but does it to I, an even lesser degree. I think Juice does it to a better degree. Yeah. Juice tells the story better than Above the Rim. Oh, of course it does. I don't think Above the Rim, I think Above the Rim, um, and, and you can almost trace Above the Rim uh, in the same way as you can trace the devolution of hip hop uh, in terms of, of um, juice was two years before um, above the rim. Uh, it, 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 and I'm going, I might be to bollocks here, but its hip hop roots were quite flirty and were very much a certain level. Whereas you can start to hear in terms of the soundtrack of above the rim, which is a great soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack in hindsight. In hindsight, but you can start to hear that that certain level of misogynism and of um, gratification of violence etc creeping into hip hop and it's almost morphing into the gangster rap that that kind of essentially killed hip hop and created the the thing we have now where Nicki Minaj can sample um, music um, and it's seemingly acceptable everything's, everything's great in hindsight but you know I'll be, yeah. be the first person to say that like my you know I don't I don't feel like a lot of, a lot of the time people will cite gangster rap was the thing that killed hip hop I think that gangster rap is one of hip hop's finest moments it's just it not was, well, it's, just, it's it, just not it was not gangster rap from 1999 it's, it's for the first rap year and a half it was one of the greatest no, 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 moments no, no, ever. The first year and a half. It wasn't. Gangster rap wasn't invented by two funk. It was invented by. No, it was. Team. It was. Well, well yeah. yeah, so you, yeah I, agree, I, I agree on that. But, but it, 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 if you take it, out gangster rap as its inception when people started calling it gangster rap, which was in 95, 96, maybe. Uh, yes, it had existed before that with things like no, uh, Cypress Hill and Cypress and IT. But if you take in what what people actually started calling on the which was the Surge Night Death Row Records, that was wonderful. I would say so as it started, that's, that started to yeah, end. That's, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, it meant. Yeah, you know what? I would say that, that uh, Two Packs All Eyes on Me is one of it's a marvelous, marvelous album. album, but it's a turning point and it's where yeah. things started to get a little the, bit more. The the uh, the uh, Godfather, the, the second new album. Terrible. You turn it up. The first of them, Doggy Style, is a great yeah, album. But no, but the point, like the, the point I'm trying to make is that this film is is uh, is symptomatic of that change. It's no Absolutely. longer. It's, it's no longer like you know John Singleton. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So John Singleton well, makes a movie like just, makes boys. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't check that out. Um, well, quite just, quite just. It's one of those You've blatantly put me off. We, we, we didn't actually when we when me and you in didn't, didn't actually. Because 
not, not because of time constraints. Uh, no, as soon as you said that her name was Justice and she was a poet, but, I was just um, like, <laughs> We didn't kind of, because it's a terrible film, and it is a terrible film, but we like kind of work into the, the fact that Poetic Justice is one of those films that is um, politically, it is swath back. It is untrue. It is. But you can. You need politically. You need to make that. Not. Not even. Like you need to make the ref. You need to make the reference to the fact that there was a laziness there was. that followed in the same way. In the same way that post. Let's say post doggy style. Let's yeah. say post Dre. Which like post Dre. Two nine three then. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Like uh, post doggy style and post. I don't know. New Jack City and twice. Yeah. Chronic. There was a laziness with this. And I was like, you know what? It's now, it's now okay to just churn out a film that has a hip hop star in it. I just think fucking Snoop Dogg made so much money. He made a ton of fucking films in the late nineties. The thing is, with Snoop Dogg, fucking, he made horror movies and fucking all sorts of ghost dogs. No, bones, bones. That was it. Terrible, terrible movies were churned out on a cut. And this, for me, it's it's fun that you just mistook a Jim Jarmusch film for a Snoop Dogg yeah, horror film. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. felt like this is this is what and, and maybe you know what I'm gonna call it maybe this will come up again on your two back account. I think there was a laziness in the late nineties that was cashing in on what it was riding on the coattails of films like New Jack City and Boys in the Hood and yeah, Genesis yeah, Society, yeah. which were actually of a certain which were actually which were actually let's take it away from the uh, the gangster rap thing. It, it, it just like my my main complaint with the film out of anything is the fact that Kyle the lead is a Thoroughly unlikable character. Yeah, he, he is. Totally flip flops. Yeah, it, it well. just he is a dick. Yeah. yeah, even even towards the end where he has his change of heart, it almost feels like, oh well, I've been rejected. Yeah. I'll just go back to this side. Yeah. Fuck yeah. it, why not? You know, and it, it, it just the, the, the guy is uncharismatic when he. Well, well, it's he, for his he's mom. When he's when he's when he's when he's trying to defend his mum, it's it, it just like it never ever ever feels like doing. Even though it kind of feels like that's what the film is trying to. It's like he's trying to protect his mum. He's a good guy. No, he's a dickhead, and this guy is actually good. And for what's, his he, mom. what's he actually got to play off against? If we're talking about a lack of charisma, I have. I don't think I've ever seen anyone with less charisma than. I'm going to call him the security guard guy, Leo. but the guy, he's, he's, effect, he's effectively the second, you know, the second lead in this. Even from the first fucking step where he turns up and he's just like, I can't, I've, I've got, there are quotes on my notes, hopefully. But the thing is, the only time his character comes alive is when he swears at Kyle. And then Kyle's just like, oh shit, this guy actually means business. Yeah. Just he's, I think that's all directorial, I think that's all intentional. Damn that lack of, of presence and charisma I think it's all right you've got to be stoic you've got to be this so and you're with that waitress 
and then that other the, 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 uh, Carl's mum comes in and then suddenly he's like a bit smiley and it's just like it's yeah, like zero to a hundred there's no yeah yeah I know I don't know if the director said to him look you're you're a dark guy you're really hurt you're David Caruso in Jade exactly you're really hurt you're really dark you don't want to let anyone in you don't want to let anyone in that's fine but at the point where you let someone in it would help if he wasn't just still stood there going can I just play something out right can I just play something out David Caruso isn't even that cool in here can I just point that out he isn't he's still a ginger but yeah I think you're cool
to the hood in South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. That one. It's ex- he's playing that role exactly the same. Look this. This is a serious He only has one game. Can I ask a question then? Right. Do you think that the the bit at the end we're, we're all spoilers all the time the bit at the end when he shoots Birdie do you think shoots Birdie because Ian isn't really clear on this Malin wins I, I, I did actually WhatsApp him I was watching on my tablet on the train it was very quick and, and I was just like right who's that is that is that Marlon Wayne or is that Wins, Kyle yeah. and then I, yeah, I was like it feels that, a little bit that, that, that scene it's Marlon Wayne call it scene it feels properly tacked on because then it follows that's exactly what I was trying to say is it's Marlon Wayne who shoots him do you think that was tacked on at the end because <laughs> because the audiences didn't think that Birdie got a come up as I told you think it was supposed to work Carlito's way come in what year did this come out because it feels a lot so what year did Carlito's way come out 93 I know the thing is I think it was originally supposed to end it was originally supposed to end with uh, the security guard on the ground and it pulls out and it goes beyond the fence do you know what I'm talking about it pulls out and it cuts to the nightclub it was going to end there sure originally was um Leon's character, the security guard, was you know the the other character, the the bit on Bernie's team. Yeah. He was supposed to dunk on him and smash him away, and Leon dumped uh, the security guard. Dunk, turn round, points at um, Kyle, and with that, Bernie shoots, and then it cuts. Yeah. You don't know who would have been alright. You know do you know how I would have ended the film? If I was if I was if I was ending the film, what's the security what's the security guard? Leon. Leon in real life, he's Leon. He's Thomas Shepard in the literally the seconds left on the clock, right? Listen to me now. Seconds left on the clock, right? Leon gets the ball. And he's, yeah. boun- he's bouncing the ball around the fucking the three-point mark, and he's looking over at his guy there. And he's like, "Is he going to pass it, or is he going to take it himself?" Right? He looks over at him, and he goes, "No, this is the moment where I uh, moment where I avenge um, Numnum's death." What's he called? No Sony Mac. No sack. No sack. This is the moment where I avenge Numnum's death. No sack. By fucking. By fucking getting right up there and plopping it right above the rim into the fucking thing, and then what he does, he takes it right to the hole, and he's reaching up, and he slips. And just before he slips, just where, just at the point where fucking nutsack went off the building, he slips and falls as a kid behind where the basketball net is. He's eating a hot dog with a knife and fork, like that. and he just falls right on his knife, right in his neck. That'd have been good. And then he turns around. What's the, what's the main kit? What's the main kit called? Cow. Oh, I really need Cal. that. He turns around to Cal and he goes. He turns around to Cal and he goes. I'm sorry. And then he dies. What? The thing is, the weird thing is, is, is this film as towards the, the end, kid, the kid looks at him and just starts crying. As, as parallels towards while he's still holding, uh, white man can't tell. 
A white man can't jump originally was going to end. It should have been called white man can't. It should have been called that. You know when where the tank throws the ball up and should I be asking you about about to dunk it? Originally, white man can't jump was to win as Woody Allen tried to grab the ball. It was going to go cut and got a black. Well, got a rocky got a black. I think you guys need to pretty much down your points. Come on, let's do this. And that was it. And that was our review of Bob the Rim. Oh, I yeah. think I just killed it all. Oh, uh, Ian, Ian, is it, what was it? What, what was your review of I always just smacked him into like a, a three-year-old. Um, he waved his penis at a five-year-old. Stop being inappropriate. We're in a public place. That's the best place to be inappropriate. Ian. In all fairness, I, I don't bring your kid to. Well, yeah, you should bring your kid to a bar at quarter to nine night. Oh my god, Daily Mail. Sorry, I didn't realise we were going on that route. Anyway, uh, <laughs> people want to bring their kids to Above the rim. We're pretty done. I'm nowhere near done. You're nowhere near done. I'm absolutely done. Yes. Okay, so. Romeo and John. Shit. I'm touching cloth. Are you serious? Yes. This is. This is the most. I am touching cloth. This is the most definitely shit film. I am touching cloth, and I will I, I will stand the up by that beyond this podcast. Regulate almost gets a touching. Regulate. If it had, we're not reviewing the soundtrack. If we're reviewing the soundtrack, yeah, definitely, definitely not shit. Idea. But this is an awful. This is a bad. It's a bad film. film. It's a bad film. It's a bad film. Take a look at the soundtrack of this film. Is right. Story is terrible. It's shit. Absolutely it's all shit. over the place. It's a Shit. Definitely shit. Definitely shit. See you later. I'm really busting for a pee. You feel good. <laughs> I only caught the end of the beginning and the end of that segment, but uh, oh dear. Um, I don't know. I hope you enjoyed it anyway. So uh, yeah, that's it for the uh, for this episode. I believe it's episode seventy seven. Check that, yeah. Uh, episode 77 of Dude and a Monkey, and um, thank you again to Dan and Noel for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, we did kind of talk about what we were going to cover on next week's show in the uh, bit where we did like the chunk of Fright Fest films, but then we were also saying, oh, this is the end of the show, probably not going to have time to talk about Lucy, and then we did, so I kind of cut that stuff out. So, um, yeah, we're going to be reviewing Sin City 2, A Dame to Kill For, which it seems like nobody is seeing in the US, judging by the opening weekend. But, um, yeah, we'll be covering Sin City 2. I believe it's also the last part of the uh, the two-pack of fun, I think, anyway, um, as we take a look at Gridlocked. Uh, I'm, I think I'm going to nail that down, anyway, because um, we got two horror marathons to get get through before the end of October, so, uh, yeah, I think that might be the last part. And uh, we, we will also get to uh, the Twitter questions, and if there are any emails and whatnot um, that, that we asked for on last week's show, uh, we just didn't kind of have them to hand, and we needed to get going with the, uh, particularly in that like kind of kind of long forty five minute ish uh, bit, we we kind of had to go see Lucy. So um, yeah, so apologies for not getting to those. Uh, at dude and a monkey, at dude Foz, at Ian Laurie, at film rant, and at uh, Mondo Dan. Um, and uh, well done to Dan as well. Is um, is short at, at billion point. 
not too sure how you pronounce it, but um, it played at Fright Fest on Saturday, and uh, it, it looks like it went down really well. So uh, nice one, Dan. And um, yeah, that's it. Uh, we, I think we've already kept enough of your time, frankly. So uh, have a, a good week, and we'll speak to you with a normal show next week. Cheers, guys. Bye bye.